How's everybody doing? If, uh, if we haven't met, my name's Dean. It's great to, great to have you here. If you're new here this morning, uh, especially, and you're here at a great time for our, our Rhythm and Flow series, uh, looking at, you know, just kind of life and how we get where we actually want to go. I had a, uh, an incident about a, a week ago where I had somewhere I wanted to go, but it didn't turn out incredibly well. Uh, and I was, uh, I was coming, going to work. I was leaving my house in Alcamas, I was heading to my office in, where it is in Mullaloo. I realized when I wanted to go, uh, I didn't have my car keys. They were in the car my wife had left with earlier. She couldn't come back. Uh, it was 100% my fault, actually, as well. So we're clear. Or if you see her later or anything like that, it was my fault. And I left them there. And, um, but uh, so I was like, well, I still got to get where I want to go. So I grabbed uh, my skateboard. I've got a longboard. Uh, headed to the bus stop and uh, got on the bus, train, bus. And I got out at uh, Molu Drive and Karana Avenue, which is near the church. I went that way especially because I knew there was a really nice ride. Uh, do we have any long borders in the house? Maybe a bit of a shout, you know, hands up, you know. When you got like a nice ride, uh, it's just gold, right? So I'm going down Karana Drive and it's cruising and I'm enjoying myself. And then I come around to Ben and I see a big hill. And I'm like, oh, that looks good. You know, this, this looks great. This looks beautiful. That's where I want to go. I want to go right down that hill. And so I think to myself for a moment, I think that's a big hill. And what I've learned over time on a longboard is sometimes you just get going a lot faster than you expect you're going to go. And I'm like, maybe I should take the sidewalk so that if I need to bail, there's grass. And then I looked back at the hill and thought, no, that's a big, beautiful road. I want that hill. So I'm riding down this hill, right in the middle of the road. There's no traffic. So I'm cruising down it. I'm thinking to myself, I know at the bottom of it, it's going to kind of come up. So I'll be all right. And so I'm cruising down this hill. I'm, I'm, I'm in the group. I'm living the dream. Living the dream, the longboarding dream. You know, that's what it felt like in my head. That's the kind of vibes I'm experiencing. This is great. Some reason. I'm halfway down this hill. I'm flying now at this point. I look down and I notice I'm holding my phone in my hand. And I decide to check some sports. No, I didn't do that. <laughs> but for some reason, I thought in my head, that's not smart. I should put that in my pocket so that nothing happens to it. This began a series of unfortunate events. <laughs> I go... From just cruising like this to some reason going like this. Now, I can do this right now a lot. Like if you go to put your phone in your pocket and you're on solid ground, it probably won't fall over. No problem. You know, that's it. Cool. Like that. However, high speed on a longboard, this was enough to send my whole board into speed wobbles. And so this is when the board, now the board is going, uh, it's just going back and forth, sometimes called death wobbles. And basically the board is going, uh, I'm kicking you off now. Your ride is over. So I'm riding on this thing, just going like, I've got nowhere to go. I'm going off of this, looking for somewhere. Is there any grass, a curb? I don't even know. It felt like forever. I just know I could die. But thankfully, I love you, Jesus. And if I see you soon, uh, great. And so at any rate, all of a sudden, bang, in the middle of that, I was down. And I slid. Uh, but I was fine. Now, I did rip up my elbows. And I got a lot of questions about that last week. I didn't think it would show, but apparently it does. By and large, I was trying to start a new trend. You know, a lot of people wear ripped jeans, and I thought maybe ripped elbows would be like the new thing, you know. 
be everywhere, I don't know, hasn't caught on yet. Now, here's the thing that is maybe helpful for us today that I want to talk to you about. Uh, and it, it is this, buy elbow pad. No, just kidding. Here's what can happen. We talk about rhythm and flow, getting where you want to go. What can happen to every one of us is you can set out on a journey, a uh, you got a destination in mind. You got a goal. You got a vision. You know where you want to go. For me, that road was this great vision. I know what this is going to be like. I want this ride, all that. And you can be moving towards it. But it only takes a little bit sometimes to push you off course. It only takes one distraction. It only takes one, I'm looking this way. And moving. before you know it, you're off course of where you want to go. Now, there's a... A verse that we're going to be looking at today in the book of Hebrews that when you think about this year and, and as, you know, we're on the front end of 2019 and you think about where you want to finish this year, what is your vision for your life, for what you want to be about, how you'd love to finish this year, I can tell you this, there will always be things that will come along and want to push you from that vision. And this verse is so key in understanding one of the core rhythms and habits we can put into our life. That if you're a follower of Christ, this will help you move towards the vision that you actually started with for your life. If you're here and you wouldn't even say you're a follower of Christ, can I encourage you, this uh, verses we're going to look at today, I hope it gives you a snapshot of what it can look like and why it's so important to do even what you ended up doing today, which is gathering with some other people in a room like this. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 10. It says this. Writing the followers of Jesus says, let us hold unswervingly. Let me hear you say unswervingly. Let me hear one more time, unswervingly. My problem was I swerved severely. Let us hold unswervingly. Don't look at that phone. Turn to the person they say, do not look at that phone. <laughs> you said that with no passion at all. Turn to the other person say, do not look at your phone. That was the moral of the story. Don't look at your phone. You want to hold unswervingly? You got to choose what you're going to look at. And he says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. He's starting this off going, you know what? If you have hope in Christ, he is faithful. God is faithful. He's the one who's done it. It doesn't even depend on you. God will hold on to you no matter what. And he's saying, so hold on to your hope and don't swerve. Other things will come that want you to swerve, to go left, to go right. He's going to don't. If you want to get where God's actually got for you and the, the fullest expression of what Jesus can mean in your life, you can't swerve. He says, hold on. And he says, and, and let us consider, let us think about this, how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. This passage is going to talk about and give us some great frameworks for why we gather like we do every Sunday. You know, I think it's kind of funny, uh, if you're someone who regularly gathers here at True North on a Sunday morning, uh, we can do this week in, week out, month in, month out, year in, year out, and sometimes never stop and reflect on why do we do this. And there's lots of reasons, don't get me wrong. If you're someone who, uh, maybe you go, you know what, I'm, I'm a follower of Christ, but I don't really, you know, kind of 
coming to get on a Sunday or, or going to church, as you may call it, all these things, that's not really for me, but I, I love God and, you know, but I don't, you know, this is going to give us some great frameworks for why this could actually be one of the things you know, most need in your life. And if you're someone who comes here and you're just like, I don't even, I don't even, I'm not sure about Jesus or God or church or any of it. I'm just here, you know, because I meant to go to the cafe and came in and feel too bad to get up and leave. You know, I just, wrong door, you know. No matter where you come from today, I hope you'll get a picture of why. The, the promise and potential that actually being a part of a community like this can hold in your life. You know, this passage, it's speaking to people who have a particular vision for their life. He's writing to those who said, you know what, my hope is in Christ. I, I want to be a follower of Jesus. I believe life is found in Christ. That is what I want to hold on to. That's what I want to move towards. He says, let us hold on to it. Can I tell you something? One of the things this passage helps us understand about if you, wanna, if you want your life to take you to the destination you want to get to this year, we have to be clear on our vision for life. This passage is like, you got to, and, and sometimes we don't think about this. We don't, maybe you always think about our life in these terms, but when the writer here says, you know what, let's hold unswervingly, he's saying, I'm, ho I'm assuming you've got something you're holding on to. That your hope, the hope you profess, the hope in Christ, he's like, hold on to that. Be clear on your vision in life. He says, we're going to spur one another on. You can't go on unless there's a somewhere you're going to. He even says, and let's do this, let's keep gathering. And all the more as you see the day approaching. Do you know the, the Bible and the, the teachings of Jesus paint this picture that actually, you know, human history is not headed nowhere, it's headed somewhere. Life is not an accident. This universe is not some cosmic accident. There's a creator, there is a God who created it, created it to be a certain way. And it is moving towards God's vision for it. Jesus, when he was walking this world, teaching his followers how to pray. He said, I want you to pray like this. I want you to pray, our, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is Jesus' vision. That the kingdom where God, what God wants, how God intended it. Where everything is just as God wanted it. That that would happen not just in heaven but here on earth. And human history is the unfolding now of God. The whole thing got broken and messed up. And human history is the unfolding and moving towards God's kingdom coming on earth as is in heaven. It's moving towards that day he talks about when Jesus will make all things new. When this era of human history will end and Jesus will bring it all to fulfillment and redemption. And all that was wrong will be made right. This is a vision, if you're a follower of Jesus, this is what our, our vision is meant to be wrapped up in. Our vision for life is meant to be focused on Jesus and on his kingdom coming. Not our own kind of mini kingdoms that we get caught up wanting to build sometimes. But to have a vision that is for Jesus and his kingdom. You know, one of the challenges to that is that this is what makes it so hard to hold unswervingly. You know, if you have no vision, you can't swerve. <laughs> you have no idea where you're going, you'll never swerve because you're just head wherever you're heading. But if you're going to be a follower of Christ, you have to know there's a vision God has for us. We're supposed to be moving towards it. And the challenge will be to not swerve to the left or to the right from that vision. You know, Jesus, uh, when he gives us this great prayer, you know, let your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This, this vision, this vision for, for loving God, the, 
the challenge that we experience and the reason we can swerve is because we are constantly bombarded with, uh, you know, kind of constantly immersed in all kinds of other rival visions for what life is about. We swerve because we are, we've got plenty of things that are getting in our eye line. We've got plenty of, of, of different visions for life that are painting a picture that makes us want to move towards those things. You know, the first uh, profession I thought about going into in my life was I wanted to be a, a fighter pilot. And, and I wanted to go to Top Gun. It's where the best of the best go. Best of the best. And um, I can remember being a kid, and I was probably 10 or something like that, I don't know, and, and seeing Top Gun, and I saw that movie. It was on TV a couple weeks ago. I actually called up the Naval Academy and tried to see if I could re-enlist again. But I saw this movie, and if you've never seen it, uh, you know, it's about these fighter pilots, and it had Tom Cruise. And, and I can remember seeing it as a kid, and I watched that movie and just thought, that's it. That's what I want to be. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fly an F-14. I won't be happy unless I'm doing Mach 10 with my hair on fire. You know, that's what I wanted. I can still remember the disappointment when I think I was in about fourth or fifth grade and I already wore glasses at that point and someone broke the news to me. You can't even get in, you know, to like fly planes in the Air Force or the Navy if you don't have 20-20 vision. And I was like, I can't believe you would tell me that. <laughs> Now what will I do? <laughs> now here's the funny thing. You know, I didn't kind of watch that movie and think, you know, here's, here's why I think I'd like to be a, a fighter pilot. Uh, uh, there's probably a pretty good, you know, sort of retirement package to put in my years. And uh, I'm sure if I'm, if I'm good in the service, you know, I, I just, I want to do that because, um, you know, I'd like to protect people or, or anything like that. No, I saw a guy in a leather jacket with sunglasses who rode a motorcycle, flew planes, and was like, that's what I want right there. I'm going to be, just call me Maverick now, you know. So I call my friends Goose, all those, you know. Now what's my point? You know, we don't end up, you know, pursuing visions because we think them through. You know, I was 10, I was young, I don't know, maybe I was... 18, whatever, we're not keeping score. You know, but when you're a kid, it's one thing, and you just kind of, you see things, you think, I want that. Now, here's what we just have to understand. As human beings, this is actually how it works. We don't just kind of go, yes, I want to follow Christ because I believe that, and I know that's to be right, but we don't realize how easily we get drawn to other pictures of what life is about. You know, you think about how advertising works. People don't put up advertisements and tell you, like, here's the product and its benefits. They paint a picture and they show it to you and they make you feel like this could be my life. How do we advertise a home on, you know, a real estate thing? We're going to clear the whole thing out. We're going to put in just the right furniture. We're gonna, we want to create an, a sense in which you will look and go, that could be my life and I like that. So we live in a world where we are constantly immersed in images that are pulling us towards a different life. Now, what's the life that Jesus wants for us? You know, Jesus, he, kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. You know, Jesus, he summed up all the scriptures when he was asked about it by some people trying to trick him. He said, you know what, it all gets summed up. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. Do you know, this is actually 
Jesus' vision for you and for me and for our lives, that they would be defined by loving God above everything else and then loving others. You know, and Jesus later goes on to even let them know, I want you to love others as I have loved you. And so now we don't even love others as we love, we're supposed to now love God with everything and then love other people the same way Jesus loved other people. We're supposed to live a life of love and sacrifice and selflessness. And yet we live in a world where we are immersed and bombarded with visions that put us at the center. Now why do I tell you this? Because if we have to understand that we can set out on a vision of saying what I want more than anything is to love God above everything else. And then to love others. But we have to realize, this is what the writer is saying, don't swerve because you'll be tempted to swerve. There will be plenty of other things that try to get in your line of sight. Plenty of other things that get in your vision, so don't swerve. You know, I love the picture of kind of vision for our lives. Augustine, one of the early church fathers, used to talk about the idea of rightly ordered love. And it was his way of saying, you know, life is right in Christ when your, your loves are ordered. Human beings, we don't just think about things. We don't just think, here's all the reasons I want to do X, Y, or Z. We are loving things. We love things and we move towards them. And we see a picture, an image, and we start to pull towards it. And Augustine was like, what, the, the, he said, you know, the secret kind of to life and following Christ is you have to have rightly ordered loves. Love God above everything, then love others. You get that order wrong, the whole thing's out of whack. If you love people more than you love God, if you love your job more than you love God, if you love, you know, anything, your, your recreation, whatever you start to love more than God will throw your life out of whack. But when you love God first and then you love people next out of that, then everything in your life can start to find its proper place. And you can start to live into the, the kind of fullness of what God had for your life. Now, I say all that to say the next part of this passage will not be relevant, will not matter, unless you are a person who's beginning to go, that's what I want my life to be about. I want to be about loving God first above everything and then loving other people. And I want everything else in my life to start to fit around that. But the second part of this begins to tell us, and so if this is what you want, if that's the vision you want to move towards and you don't want to swerve from it, then one of the best things you can do is to begin to appreciate the power of your habits in your life. You know, the writer says, don't give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Let me hear you say habits. Turn to the person and say, that sounds habit forming. Turn to the other person and try to comprehend that sentence again and see if you can say, that sounds habit forming. That, now that sounds, you're like, I don't, I'm not quite sure about this. You know, usually when we say something's habit forming, often we're saying like that's, you know, be careful because that could be habit forming. But what I want us to appreciate today is the habits we can form that actually take us where we wanted to go all along. And to realize this, that the one thing most likely to derail you and throw you off course from the vision you meant to pursue will in all likelihood be the habits that you create. Sometimes knowingly, sometimes unknowingly. When I kind of reached to put a phone in the pocket, I've done it a thousand times. It was so habitual I didn't think about it or what its outcome would be on that moment. We all have habits that we have formed. And what the writer says is, hey, 
he, it's like he's writing, and you can feel the kind of passion in his voice, you know, and just going, don't give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing. And he's picturing this, like there were some people who it's like, they were like, yeah, no, I, I love Jesus, and I'm a follower of Jesus, but I don't need to gather anymore. And when we talk about gathering together, this is a picture of what we're doing right here. Uh, you know, one of the other just words for church is just the gathering. It's the gathering, the assembling of the people who are followers of Jesus coming together. We get, you know, throughout the whole New Testament, you'll never actually find a command that you should gather with the church. You'll only see that it's completely assumed that this is the normative thing to happen. But we get little snapshots like this that let us know this is one of the, you know why we do this? You know why we gather like this? Because this habit, this custom, this rhythm of gathering with other believers to worship God as a part of the rhythm to your life is one of the things that will help you keep moving towards the vision that you have to love God and to love others. That in fact, gathering like this, it is one of the core habits as a follower of Christ that we can have to be a people who do not swerve, to be a people who, love, who spur one another on to love and good deeds. Turn to the person next, give them a high five and say, I'm going to spur you on. Give them a high five, I'm going to spur you on. Now, no, one more time, but give it some energy, like spur them on. I'm here to spur you on. This is the picture is that by gathering with one another, there is an encouragement that takes place. There's a spurring that takes place. That this is a habit that will serve you well. It's a habit that will serve you well because there is something to the nature of the rhythm. We live in a world where the, the rhythms, where the vision, it's all pushing us, you know, be focused on you. Be focused on building your little castle. Be focused on building your kind of life that you want. We're immersed in it seven days a week of what should be most important and how it should look and all these things. We're immersed, immersed, immersed. But the writer of Hebrews says, so don't give up gathering it. Once a week, come out of all that. Gather with each other and encourage one another. This is what I'm on about. I'm on about loving God with all my heart. I'm on about loving others the way Jesus loved them. I don't know what will happen in your life this year, but if you want that vision to say, I know this, no matter what comes, I want to be a person who loves God above everything else and loves others the way Jesus did. One of the best things you could do, it's saying, is to gather, have a habit, have a custom, make it your thing that you gather with other people around Christ. Make it your rhythm. You know, like I said, I think it's good to stop and talk about why we do what we do. Sometimes we don't even reflect on it if you're a person who normally comes or if you're someone who sort of thinks, you know, I, I just, I know I should or I'm supposed to. This, let me tell you something, what I, I want us to grab is this is not about a rule. It's about a rhythm. It's not about another rule in your life. When I was a kid, I had a friend and he went to a, a particular church and, and every time, uh, you know, like, he went to, you know, in my language at that time, I'm like, man, you go to church a lot. Like on a Sunday morning, he would be there for a, a Sunday school thing, and then he, he'd be at church, and it would be long. Um, I, I just know it was, I, I went with him once, it was a long time. And, and, and the guy who was speaking wasn't as, like, funny or good looking as I am and that kind of thing. And I'm just kidding. He was probably better looking, less funny. Anyway, you take what you get. And, and then it was like on Wednesday nights, he always had to, to go to church and he would 
go there, and I was always just frustrated because I'm like, man, can we play? Like, can we go play? We play baseball together. I'd be like, can we, will you just go play baseball? I'd be like, I'm going to church. I'm like, why, why are you always at church? And he's probably like 10 years old, and he's like, you know, because you can't forsake the gathering. And that's the King James version of this verse. And that was a big thing. And some people, uh, you may have been from an era where this verse was interpreted like, man, if the church is ever getting together, you better be there and don't miss it. And he was there. And now here's what happens, though. If you approach gathering with church, you treat it like a rule and you think, no, I better, I have to, I have to. It's happening. I better be there. I better, if I don't. You know what? What can happen is one of two things. You do what my friend did, which was he grew to resent that rule. Ultimately was happier to never gather. And then, or... You can, so you can either just kind of reject it and say that's it and it forces you to walk away or you kind of embrace it and you're doing it. But the only reason you just resent it and keep doing it. Whereas what this pictures is that this is not about a rule you follow. We don't gather because it's sort of like Jesus has a checklist somewhere and if we do the things that he says, we kind of move up. Then now maybe he'll, I'm like doing better or now maybe even I can get some more blessing from it. No, we don't do it for any of those things. What you see here is this is part of the rhythm of a life of someone who's chosen to love God and love others. I mean, how can you have a rhythm where you love God first if it's like we're only ever spend our entire world immersed in all the other rival visions for our life? But there's something good about stepping out of it and going, God, you know what? I don't come and gather with other people because hopefully I'll get something from it. I don't even come and gather primarily because I'm hoping that, you know, maybe if I do something, that something, I just come because it's like, God, I love you. And there's something about the rhythm of life that says, I begin my week gathering with others to worship Jesus, where it's all about him. I want to love God with all my heart. And God, I realize and we all at times, me first get swerving into loving other things and need to be reminded and to come back and go, no, God, I love you above all else. That's where I want my life to be. Do you know Sunday, sometimes we think about Sunday as the end of the week. And sometimes we fall into this rhythm where we go, you know, it's like it's Sunday night and now the week is starting. Has anybody ever said that? You know, it's Sunday night, kind of the week's getting started. And we live in a world where the rhythm of the world is like Sunday is the end of, you know, your leisure time and, and all those things, and now you're stuck having to go back to work or back to school. Or the, the picture in the scripture is Sunday is actually becomes the first day of the week. That Sunday is, it's like this is how you start your week. And you have done already this week one of the best things you can do to start your week, which is to go, and the first day of the week, the first thing I do is I gather and say, God, you are first. I'm gathering with others. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be encouraged by them. And I'm going to spur others on. And my week, and not, not, you're already doing well this week. Give somebody a high five and say, you're killing it this week. You're here. And I just want you to know, if you want to have a life that pursues a vision that is extraordinary, and make no mistake about it, the life of following Christ, it is anything but ordinary. It is an extraordinary life. Never going to say here, you're never going to hear it's an easy life or everything will go well. But it is the greatest of all lives you could live, I believe. To love God above everything else. To love others as Christ loved them. And when everything else finds its place, you will experience the greatest of all 
possible lives. Life as Jesus meant it. And to do that, we cannot think that we can live through the ordinary rhythms of the world around us and somehow end up living this extraordinary life Jesus wants for us. One of my favorite sayings is this guy, John Dryden, I think it is, who said it. We first make our habits and then our habits make us. We choose. You want your year to end a certain way. You want to be moving a certain direction, doing, heading towards a particular vision. We'll choose what kind of habits are going to actually take you there. And one of the greatest habits you can choose is to go, my habit, my custom is I gather. Like, no. We, there's never like an attendance record. and It's never going to be like, oh, I missed one. I'm a bad person. Not at all. But what's your habit? What's your custom? What's the, the rhythm and routine of your life? What is it that you normally do? When he says some, their, their habit is not to gather. He's like, their normal thing is to not gather. But when you make it, this is my normal thing. Sure, different things happen and different, we get, what, of course. But what's it like when you have a rhythm? Oh, yeah, I gather. I gather with other believers. I gather to put aside all, you know, I gather because work is not everything. I take a break from work because work is not everything. I take a break from uh, leisure and relaxation and, and the things I do just to enjoy because leisure is not everything. I take a break from all the other things in my life and I say, I gather with the body of believers to lift up the name of Jesus and remind myself, no, he is what is above everything. No, God is what I want to be at the, the vision of my life. God is what I want to be first in my life. And I want to live out of that overflow. Yeah, I'm going to invite the team to come out. We're going to sing together in a moment. And can I just encourage you with this as well? You know, can I encourage you? We're here to encourage one another. When you sing these words, some days you come and you think, I don't know if anything's happening. I don't know if anything's changing. Can I tell you something? When you make it your rhythm, you make it your habit, you make it your routine to gather with other believers and to worship Him, you don't have to worry about whether you're doing it right. You don't have to worry about is something happening or not. As you do it, you are being formed into the person he wants you to be. Sometimes you notice it, sometimes you don't, but you're becoming a person who loves God above everything else. And who's becoming more and more capable of loving others as Christ loved them. Would you stand up with me? And we're going to spend a few more minutes today just lifting our praise to him, worshiping him. No, as you do this, as it becomes your habit, as it becomes your rhythm, it changes something in you. You don't change it, but the spirit of God, you're giving him space and he's changing it. He's increasing your love for him. He's increasing, you know, what, what is going to become that focal point, that vision in your life. So let's be a people who keep on gathering. Let's be a people who keep on encouraging. Let's be a people who keep on spurring one another on so that nothing's going to allow us to swerve to the left or swerve to the right. Let's put aside our individual wants and needs. Let's lift our voices as one people to celebrate Jesus. Give our lives for him, the one who gave everything for us. Let's love him above everything else. Come on, let's sing together.